Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And that's your host, Kyle. And that's your host, Peter. And I'm your host, Peter. And you are the listeners. Not you, Kyle. The other people here. Yeah, I don't listen to anything. Uh, So, this uh, is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, but we do those from time to time. Uh, What are we talking about today, Peter? Um, So, I actually stumbled upon this um, through Instagram. Uh, I randomly saw a post that someone... Uh, had a picture of a vinyl record with the Lego logo on it. And I was like, huh, I've never heard of, I mean, I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable in large parts of the Lego history, but I never knew they had any records. So I was like, well, I have to look into this Mm -hmm. over the course of a good period of time. I think they had a number of different cassette tapes and that could potentially be its own topic for another day. Mm -hmm. Um, But for this, I specifically wanted to, uh, drill into any vinyl records that Lego ever released. Um, it turns out, I, from what I can tell, there were only four. And they were only released in the narrow span of time between 1979 and 1982. And they were all tied into uh, their theme of Lego sets called Fabuland, um, which ran from 1979 to 1989. Um, I believe in the U.S. it had a shorter run than that, like maybe half that length. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember. It was slightly different in like Europe, I think. But essentially, the deal with these four records is that um, for the most part, they're not music. They're actually like radio plays or basically like someone reading children's stories. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say up front, listeners, that they're all in German. <laughs> so <laughs> like there's there's not really much I could kind of glean from in terms of what's actually happening in the stories. But um, it's there's... Hi, Kitty. There seems to be a narrator voice but then there's also like a whole cast of people that do the voices for the different characters in the stories which i found kind of interesting because that's going a little bit beyond just the minimum amount of work for something like this Mm -hmm. um and that might be what uh classifies it as a radio play versus just like calling it children's stories because there's actually like a group of people kind of performing parts if you will yeah so I don't know if you've ever heard of Fabuland prior to this, Kyle. I was going to say, I'm not super familiar with, like, older Lego uh, series. Mostly ones from, like, the, obviously, when I was into it, like, late 90s to through the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm not really familiar with any of the series from, like, the 80s. Yeah. I mean, my knowledge, I'm with you. Like, obviously, like, having grown up in the 90s, like, those the themes that are around during that era like i'm the most familiar with but mm-hmm. yeah anything from before we were born because i mean lego goes back to like i think the 60s or so yeah. um at the earliest but they really kind of hit their stride in the 70s i think mm-hmm. so th- a lot of those themes i'm not very knowledgeable in i have some i had some kind of vague understanding of this fabuland theme um it's kind of interesting because it um it almost kind of has this cult following a lot among a lot of like adult Lego fans, um, mm-hmm. because it it ha- it it's the idea of it is that because like in Lego you have like the the town I don't know if it's town or city whatever the hell they call it but you know a lot of the town sets or you have like here's the Star Wars sets they have different themes like that mm-hmm. uh, and this one was based around a town of anthropomorphic animals and this is sort of interesting because like obviously everyone knows like the little Lego people the little minifigures 
it's yeah. like a super iconic thing. But that had not that had just released in 1978, a year before this theme came out. So it was that was just like in it's like very infancy. Oh, um, wow. So it wasn't a widespread thing across the Lego themes. Mm-hmm. So this was this in a way, technically not, but in a large way, this kind of predated the Lego minifigure. Um, so all of the little like characters in these sets were basically different animal characters. Um, and I, I didn't write down their names, um, but you had like, you know, the, the bear, the mouse, the cat, the pig, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's unique in that sense. Cause I think it's the only theme in Lego's history that's ever done that. Yeah. So I'm lo- sorry. I'm looking at like pictures here. You can, yeah, you're right. It's like, they were still kind of experimenting with like what a Lego action figure looked like. So like, these characters kind of look like the minifigures, but not completely. It's interesting. Yeah. Something I have tried to get into a little bit just on a personal level is I really find the history of like the Lego color palette over time fairly fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And also how like the library of parts has developed over time. Um, and Fabuland is unique in that it not only in- it introduced unique colors that only ever existed in that one theme and then they like close them out after that point and never reintroduce them hmm. and it also introduced a lot of like lego parts that mo- many of which never re-emerged after they ended this line but uh there's there's some exceptions to that like literally because i mean this was from 40 years ago and just in the last few years there's been parts that they've reintroduced oh, from wow. this theme for the first time in like before we were born, you know? Um, so I, I find it interesting that they kind of retire certain things and then bring them back like in a different context, like mm-hmm. years later, you know? So that, that's a background just on that theme in general. I mean, like I said, it kind of has a little bit of a, a cult following for people older than us who grew up with it mm-hmm. and they would know a lot more about it than I do. Um, but getting into these records specifically. So the, the first of these, I'm not going to, try to pronounce it in German, uh, but it translates into stories from Fabuland. Can I try? Sure. Geschichten aus Fabuland. That sounds pretty good. I'll go with that. <laughs> I'm totally just um, screwing a German accent, but yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so this was released in Germany in 1979, um, the same year that the theme itself, like the sets first released. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a 12-inch LP, um, about 19 and a half minutes per side. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's pretty standard for that size. I'm going to lean on you for that. They're yeah, usually yeah. about 20 minutes-ish. We're, we'll play a clip of it, certainly, just so you listeners can get a sense of what it sounds like. Um, but the thing I find personally interesting is that there's also a theme song that plays at the beginning and end of each side of the record. Um, mm-hmm. So what I thought is that we could play the whole song for the listeners as well as maybe a 15 20 seconds of the reading Thank you. 
Hallo zusammen. Ihr könnt euch sicher denken, was ich euch heute erzählen will. Es steht ja groß und breit auf der Plattenhülle. Richtig, Geschichten aus Fabuland. Kennt ihr Fabuland? In Fabuland gibt es Hügel und Wiesen und Wälder und Straßen und eine lustige kleine Stadt, in der lustige kleine Leute wohnen. Somehow German children singing anything is creepy as all hell. <laughs> I feel like there's been a couple of times on this show where we've talked about the creepiness of singing children. Mm -hmm. And yeah, something about little German children being like, it's, it kind of has a similar intonation as like, it's a small world. Yeah, But, okay. I can see that. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a little horrifying to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mentioned that it kind of sounds like country music, which it, I mean, it basically is, um, that, that kind of stood out to me too. It's it's interesting to hear a German take on country music, which sounds probably as legit as if it was produced in the States, you know, mm -hmm. for for what it is, you know, it's just kind of interesting. So the there's actually and we'll, we'll basically get into this listeners, but there's I, I think I've identified like at least three different versions of the song oh. <laughs> across these records. Um They're all basically the same song, but there's kind of different cuts of it. Like one of them has a lot of instrumental bits. Another one has instead like more vocals during that portion. Um, there's kind of like a shorter version that's like, like a minute and a half and it's like a four minute version. So you, I guess you can call that like the club mix versus the radio <laughs> version. I was going to say, you need to remix these into like EDM music because it'll be the most obscure thing to ever be added <laughs> into EDM. Yeah, uh, that's probably true. <laughs> so I, I, there was one video I watched um, that had the lyrics of the song up on the screen in German, and I was like, oh, okay, great. I transcribed that and then put it into Google Translate to basically figure out what the hell the kids were saying. Mm -hmm. Again, this is broken German, but uh, let's go to Doc David from Fabuland. Morty Mouse and Moe take Charlie's hand, and Bruno Bear, who trudges behind... Let's go to Doc David from Fabuland. All sorts of things happen every day. Probably not quite as creepy when I just read it like that versus the children. Yeah, true. But the what you kind of get from those lyrics is like kind of the different names like Morty Mouse. Like those were kind of the characters in this world, uh, kind of how we were saying in Bruno Bear and all them. So um, it, it kind of comes back to just the, the toys that these kids would, you know, ostensibly be familiar with if they... Uh, give the Lego Corporation money. Um, so that was from 1979. Um, there was a sequel that came out in uh, 1980 um, called Stories from Fabuland Part 2. This was a, another 12-inch LP, um, about 24 minutes per side or about 48 minutes total. So it seems slightly longer than the last one for some reason. Um This is basically the same deal. I mean, I'm not going to beat a dead horse with every one of these things. Um, it's essentially the same format, but there's different stories. Mm -hmm. um, and for anyone wondering, no, I did not sit through 50 minutes of people speaking in German in funny voices. You should um, do a Twitch stream of it. <laughs> for like 12 hours. As I mentioned, there's different versions of the song. This one seems to have a longer version. And I got a little mixed up because like it's possible that they put this version at the end of the last one i don't really care um but essentially this second version 
of the song has um, more lyrics at the beginning of the song. Basically, it's a it's a singing conversation between a child and their father. Mm. I'll, I guess I'll read the English first, and then we'll listen to a clip of the German version. The child says, Daddy, look what I have here. My cat rides a bike. And the dad says, and the mouse, is that her friend? It It's a bit funny, it seems to me. And the child says, but no, take a look. Even the lion isn't bad at all. Again, I don't know if this is correct, German. Um, and the father said, and this bear, how did it get in there? And the child says, I love you, so I invite you too. And then they and then they launch into the let's go to Fabuland. Ist das ihr Freund? Ein bisschen komisch, wie mir so scheint. Aber nein, schau doch mal hin. Auch der Löwe ist gar nicht schlimm. Ha, das sagst du. Und wer wohnt da herum? So what did you think of the second version, Kyle? Uh, Was it magical? Yeah, yeah. Skipping around it a little bit, the voices are definitely interesting. They definitely put some effort in. Now, I obviously assume the voices tie into characters that are actual little minifigures or whatever. So I don't know if the idea is that, like, you're supposed to puppeteer the characters along with the voices. Uh, What would have been interesting, and they totally could have done this, I guess, back in the 80s, is if they did like a stop motion version with the actual characters. Um, it's funny you mention that because I found there was actually, I don't know how many episodes they made, but they made like a claymation version of Fabuland oh. for like a kid's show. Interesting. And I, it, it seems to be potentially even more obscure than these records are. <laughs> um, if that's even possible. But yeah, and, and that's something I never like knew about before this either. But yeah, I mean, I feel like in the prior to this, I mean, we've kind of already mentioned this already, but prior to this, I don't know if there was any real themes of sets that they released that were based around any kind of characters. Yeah. Certainly not named characters in this way. So yeah. this was kind of the first time they did that. And then it became not with animal characters, but, you know, in general, that kind of became kind of a mainstay of the brand moving forward after that. So. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps a lot with play, too, you know, which is kind of the point of the whole yeah, toy. Yeah, this was definitely in that era kind of before Lego started adopting a lot of other intellectual properties, we'll say. So they weren't doing, like, Star Wars yeah. stuff yet, even. Mm-hmm. I mean, 79, Star Wars just came out a couple of years ago, so. Right. So moving along, um, the third, so that was 1980. Um, the next one, so those, those first two were both like full size 12 inch LP records. Mm. Um, the second two are both, um, seven inch, uh, flexi discs actually. Oh, Legos cheaping out. 
Yeah, I guess so. Um, so the one of them, actually, they both came out in 1982. Um, one was released in Germany, and one was released in the U.S. And both of these, from what I could tell, were about five minutes per side. That's a question I didn't ask that probably will tie in here. Did the original two records, did those come with part of one of the Lego sets, or did you have to buy them separately? I couldn't figure that out. Um, I'm not sure. It's entirely possible that they like bundled it with one of the big sets or something. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like the biggest set, you get the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because I assume these flexi discs, the part of the reason they could be made cheaper is they could slip them into their sets or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think one said it was like in a magazine or something, but I don't remember any details around it. And like, like I said, there's very little information on any of these. So yeah. Yeah. Um, now the U S version, I did find photos that it was, it was like in like some kind of box set with like an activity book and like a map of Fabuland and that kind of stuff. Hmm. And I think maybe a, possibly also a storybook. It doesn't seem to be part of a Lego set as well, but it's entirely possible that it was at some point. It's just hard for me to kind of find that. Hmm. So I have not f- been able to find any recordings of the U.S. version. So I'm not entirely sure what's on it. Um, I did manage to find a recording of the German one, and I'm not going to play it because it's basically the same as the other two mm-hmm. we already listened to. Um, but it's basically just shorter. And, uh, and I should say that the German version was just, was just called Fabuland, and the U.S. version was called the Fabuland Rainbow. I can't, I haven't been able to, because there's like basically no information, I haven't been able to verify whether they were the same story or the same material in different languages or if they were just different things entirely. I was going to say, Peter, uh, if you were truly an investigative reporter, you could have the US version for only $33 on Discogs. Yeah, actually, I, that's a good point. I, so I did see that at least a couple of these were available like on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, some were going for quite a lot of money, but I did see a couple that were fairly cheap as well. So if you really wanted to, you could definitely, I think, probably pick up all of these. I was going to say, I think we need to buy the U.S. one and turn this into like a 50-minute YouTube episode like that one, uh, like that one guy you sent me. Oh, and like release it to the public, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, Honestly, if I had a turntable, I would do that, but I don't, and I, I'm not going to invest in that. But I do. It's kind of tempting, actually. We'll talk later. <laughs> okay. Bye, listeners. Um, but anyway, so those are, those are the four. It's a little curious to me that even though those smaller ones came out a little bit later, that they're harder to find in terms of like any information on them. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's partly a distribution thing. Like if, for example, if these were only available in some like limited run magazine, it could be a lot more rare and people weren't like buying it off the shelf, you know? Yeah, true. Um, But again, that's all speculation. I really don't know how these were sold. I also find it kind of interesting that they decided that Germany was where they were going to kind of plant their roots for this whole thing. I don't know. I'm sure there is some story behind that. Aren't they German? Isn't the company German? Or no, the, the company is Danish. Same thing. 
Oh, that's a, that's another question I had that you just reminded me of. Since these came out in the late 70s and early 80s, this was still when there was an East and West Germany before the the Berlin Wall fell. So was this only sold in West Germany or was it in both? Uh, no, Kyle, they were only sold in East Germany. <laughs> only the poor, only the poor East German kids could get them. Jeez. Um, yeah, no, actually, I didn't think, even think about that. But yeah, that would have been a thing. They built the Berlin Wall out of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, so yeah, I don't know if they, if if Fabuland was just like really big in that market, for example. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm a little, I guess I'm a little uh, surprised that more of these weren't converted into English. Yeah. Obviously, the U.S. is one of their big markets these days. I don't know if. That was less so back in like the seventies and eighties. It's, I I think they had more of a foothold in Europe, which would make sense. So it's possible that they just wasn't enough of an American market yet to really bother yeah. with this. Yeah, that makes. Uh, sense. And I'm cur- I'm actually kind of curious in the seventies and eighties or early eighties how what the popularity of Lego was in the U.S. compared to Europe. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just did a cursory Google here, and it says, you, you're right, it's, they started in the U.S. in the 60s, 1961. It says, by 1971, Legos were uh, the most loved and best-selling toys among U.S. children. So oh, okay. Within I mean, decade, that was about a decade before this. Yeah, so they were probably going pretty strong still then. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, but e- even the fact that it wasn't even produced in their native Danish... Yeah, that is kind of only odd. in German. It just seems a little bizarre to me, but there there must have been some reason for that. Anyway, so I I just felt it was interesting to dive briefly into these very obscure little records and just kind of understanding why they existed in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like I, I'm pretty I'm like ninety five percent sure that these are the only records they ever produced. Um, I might write down the cassettes thing just to see if there's anything interesting to talk about in that realm yeah um, i'd be curious about that because cassettes were probably bigger in the 90s so we might be able to relate to some of them right I'll, I'll write it down for sure and i'll look into it later but um yeah I, I mean this is pretty much as much as i had to say about the fabuland records no it, it's definitely interesting speaking of which i'm kind of surprised lego never tried to make like a lego record player i don't know how it would work but that definitely seems like the sort of thing they would release nowadays because they kind of have the, the like adult line. I would think they have like that. They have that really cool typewriter, which part of me really wants to get. By the way, mm, uh, it's a cool. Yeah, there's they've released some really cool stuff in the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I do like. I do like how yeah, Lego is embracing you know the fact that like kids that grew up with it still are interested in it, so they make more like adult level sets. Yeah, I I think that was really smart decision on their part for sure yeah i i I have a couple i have the bonsai tree and uh, the wally set because i love wally oh i forgot about that one Mm -hmm. yeah i looked up the wally one by the way i mean i already built it and it's out of the box but if i would have kept it boxed that thing is goes for like hundreds of dollars oh wow yeah i've noticed that they because, like, a given set will only be in circulation for, I don't know, maybe one to two years. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like, 
the prices really shoot up on the aftermarket. So oh, for sure. But yeah, no, this is interesting. I mean, we're both kind of Lego Lego nerds, so we probably yeah. find this more interesting than most. But uh, yeah, yeah. If, if that cassette thing ends up being interesting, maybe like you said, we can do a follow up episode. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go look at old Lego sets from the '90s now. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, that wraps up this one, listeners. Um, but we hope you had a wunderbar time. Um, if you did, please tell us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. And uh, if you are so mad at me because Kitty keeps yelling at me in the background, then you don't have to talk to us. You can just keep listening to us on getyourfunk.com. This has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. Tune in next time for more stories from Fabuland. <laughs>